Radio at UK Network Radio. Today's guest is author, psychic medium and contactee Philip Kinsilla, who was a guest on one of our previous shows talking about his outstanding book, Believe, a groundbreaking theory which bridges the gap between the psychic and UFO phenomena. Philip returns with Brenda Butler, live from Rendlesham Forest, to talk about their up-and-coming new book, which we've been working on together, to talk about the ongoing sagas at Rendlesham, along with other groundbreaking mysteries. Brenda is the voice and guardian of Rendlesham Forest and was instrumental in bringing the case to the public's attention. Just want to say a very warm welcome to the Spirit Guides Network Radio. Um, this week we have Phil Kinsilla and Brenda Butler on here to talk about uh, Rendlesham Forest and some other mysteries. And we've had uh, Phil on the show before talking about his book Believe, where he touched upon his experiences with uh, psychic phenomena and also um, the abduction um, experiences that he's had since uh, childhood and also um, to do with Rendlesham as well. So just want to give people some context really around what you guys are up to because I know that you're now, you kind of met through synchronicity um, while you was at Rendlesham together um, investigating Rendlesham. Um, so if you could just give our listeners a bit of background really about how you guys met um, and what Rendlesham is all about. I met Philip down in Rendlesham back in the 1990s and then we met again in um, 2000 this year in March and um, Philip had wanted to meet me before so um, we made arrangements to meet and we went round the forest and we talked and I gave Philip a lot of um, my investigations of what was happening down at Rendlesham and then about the third meeting um, Philip thought it'd be a good idea if we wrote a book together okay so basically I would gather quite a few people know what happened down in Rendlesham it's kind of like the UK's version of Roswell um, it's been covered up by the well mainly by the military isn't it I mean it looks like it's been reported in the media quite a bit with the release of the MOD files but they're not really reporting it as much as they should do so I mean what really happened down there back in 1980 well, I've been doing the investigations down there since um, January 1981, and I was the first person um, to be told about it by a security guard who was involved in this, um, Steve Roberts, and um, two security guards who were on duty on the night of the 27th, um, they saw a light come across the trees, come up the coast and across the trees, and that went down into the forest, and they thought that was a crashed aircraft. So they phoned back to their control officer and asked if they could go out and investigate it. At first he said no, they weren't to leave the gate where they were on, um, but they insisted that might be an aircraft and somebody might be in trouble. So he gave them permission on the condition they left their guns behind. So they took a Land Rover, took a Jeep, and they went out into the forest and um, found or saw some lights flashing in the forest. And the story goes that they see this triangular craft with lights on. Um, one of the guys tried to climb on board it. The other guy saw some symbols and he wrote the symbols down. Um, basically, that was one of the nights. Um, but then Colonel Holt, the second night when it came back, Colonel Holt went out because he was at a, um, a dinner, a celebration dinner, and the guys who were on the gate then went back and said, Sir, it's back, it's back. And they, he said, What is back? Because he didn't believe any, in any of this at first. And they said, the UFO is back, sir, the UFO is back. So he then left the um, dinner and he drove home and changed into his fatigues. 
and went all over the place, gathering up cameras and gathering up lipos and other men and everything, Geiger counters. And he went back down to the forest and through the forest to see what he could see. And he saw light. And they followed these lights across the field. Um, and then they took off and they went up into the sky. And they saw lights beaming down back onto the base. Um, but there's such a continuation of the story and everybody's got a different story to tell. All the witnesses who were there tell, all tell different stories. Because is the base is now the close, is, is that right? So um, you, you guys are there at the moment as we speak on this show. You're in Wendelsman Forest at the moment. So you, yeah. are, you can go down there. But, I mean, reading the book that you wrote, Phil, it sounds like it can be a pretty intimidating place down there and perhaps there's still activity going on. Well, yes. I mean, when I, when I met... Brenda, um, I was very amazed um, at the time because in, in, when you spoke about synchronicity, um, I had done some research down there many years ago and I remember getting out of the car and saying I'd really like to meet Brenda Butler and I didn't know where she was in the world anywhere. She could have been in America for all I knew. And um, when we'd done our investigations in the forest, we came across you know, I came across these two people taking lots of photographs and lots of lights going on, and I thought it was a UFO in the forest, and it wasn't. Um, it was this lady and man with their, and a dog, and as I passed them by, I had this overwhelming feeling to stop and go back, and I went back, and I bent down, and I said to the lady, I said, are you looking for the orb? And the lady looked up and said, well, yes, why? And I said, well, I was rather hoping to meet Brenda Butler, and she said, my dear, I am Brenda Butler, and of course. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, and intimidated. Well, I've learned so much more um, also about the intimidation. I mean, we, we without realizing it, when we had done our investigations um, uh, many years ago, we had been hassled by military helicopters. And on one occasion, they wanted us off the base. They wanted us out of the forest. And the reason they wanted us out of the forest was because um, they were bringing a convoy of, of vehicles up with blacked-out windows that had gone into this apparent disused space. So, um, you know, and there was another period, another time, which was very frightening, where we'd gone to do some research again in the forest, and, and we'd left a, um, a blanket out. Someone had left a dead rat and a dead rabbit in a circle from head to tail um, as we came back to scare us off. So, yes, yeah. Also, in, in your book, you also chronicle that you actually witnessed um, a UFO coming up from the trees and that you actually had given the intention for this to appear. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, the whole process was an experiment, experiment that, I, that I had in mind to see if uh, there was something that I could prove with regards to UFOs. And we had, um, before we went to the forest, we spent a week meditating, asking that we have some proof of these things, whatever form or, or they take. And although people may laugh about that, um, you know, um, it certainly worked. We'd gone into the forest and um, we had meditated, asking for a sign or for evidence that uh, we are being visited. And um, we were rewarded with seeing a very large triangular-shaped object above the trees. And there was a gap and a circular undercarriage, and, uh, um, an undercarriage with lights. And they, one was moving one way, the other was moving the other. And it was casting off brilliant, fantastic light. And I started to run towards it, whereas the other two I was just with, with were, were calling me back in case I was going to destroy the farmer's crop. Because this is dark, you know, it's about quarter past ten at night. 
um, and I ran towards it, running very, very fast towards it. And um, and then just like someone clicking their fingers, lights out, it vanished. It it, it went. And um, and uh, that that uh, a very interesting episode. Absolutely fantastic. I'll never forget it. Amazing. So do you think that these lights are connected with the military down there, or are they kind of at odds with the military in a way? Because, I mean, the base seems to be unused, but there is activity going on. So, I mean, I noticed in the book you mentioned there was vibrations from underneath your feet, I mean, which could suggest that there's actually a base underneath uh, Rendlesham. Oh, yes. Well, I think Brenda might speak a little bit more about that. Um, people have said that there is a base under under Rendlesham, under one of the forests um, by where we go. People have said they've been dragged into the forest and um, underneath the forest through a doorway um, by greys. And only just recently there's a lady been um, phoning me up and she's been saying that she has seen the greys there. Because okay. it's interesting, I mean, going back to Phil as well, um, you have been in, the, the Greys seem to have been in contact with you since you've been a, a boy, and, and it, it seems that perhaps, I mean, one lady said to you, this is really, uh, you, you admitted this yourself, that it was very hard to swallow, that perhaps that you may have even been one. In, in another incarnation, because not to say that all incarnations happen on Earth, and so they've got some kind of link with you. But I mean, I just wonder if that's a, what, what the agenda is, I guess. Well, well, the thing is, it's the same with Brenda. Brenda has the same, you know, thoughts that I do with regards to a soul issue. I mean, sure. I mean, you know, we come down onto this planet, we're born into this physical body, and that's why we believe that there is a process of reincarnation, not in the sense where you, you know, it's recycling, you, you die and then whisk around and just get put anywhere. It's a complex process. And, and we also believe um, that, you know, sure, why not? I mean, in this vast universe, there, there has to be, has to be, absolutely, other intelligent life forms. And the thing is, though, we're so naive in our assumptions to assume that they're going to come through the way we expect them to come through. You know, you see these programs about scientists talking about, oh, they've got to travel this fast or go through here. Well, no, they, they might be very much interdimensional creatures and crafts. And that from the soul viewpoint, if we had been an alien in a past life and we had decided to incarnate upon the Earth plane, then our relatives from other civilizations might want to come up and check on us, you know, to see how we're doing. I do agree with that. So now that you guys have come together, you're sort of in the throes of writing a new book. Um, I mean, do you, do you want to give us a little bit of information about the new book that you're putting together? Well, the new book that we're putting together will um a lot about my life and my investigations and my earlier life and what happened to me as a child. It will be about that because before I met Philip, I'd already wrote nine chapters of a book anyway, which was going to be called Life on the Move. And then when I met Philip, we decided that Philip would um, take over and I would finish writing the chapters, which I did. And then Philip's got the book and he's now putting it into chapter form for me and we're writing it together. Um, so it's going to be basically about a lot of the mysteries that have happened around Rendlesham, a lot of the untold stories and people who I've investigated, um, witnesses that, that I've never, ever released. I've still got information going right the way back to the 1980s and even the 1970s that I've never ever released. So basically the book will be based on that, um, you know, stories that have never been told before. Okay. So, I mean, just sort of going back to, um, I guess, the book here, Phil, um, yeah. you, you talk about 
like a wizard type of man um, that sort of watched you as you came back from one of your um, abductions, and you and you sort of agree on some level that it's probably a kind of kind of out of body thing that they're taking your astral body to the ship. Do you still sort of agree with that notion? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, though, I feel that if someone is being abducted, in more cases than not, I feel that, um, you know, there's been cases where people have been sat in cars and been taken through the car and, and in the house and taken through the house. Um, you know, as long as the ethereal body is still attached to its physical host and whatever the graves do to the etheric body will still affect the physical body. Do you see what I mean? They're both still connected. Yeah. On that I... Yeah. And I think that when the greys uh, abduct someone, what they're doing is they're taking you into their vibrational frequency so that they will be able to interact with you. I mean, if we put it in another way, when we die here, we know that there's a spirit world. The only way that we can access that spirit world is through a heightened sense of um, connection mentally. The mediums use this ability to interact with them. And of course, what we have to do, what the greys have to do, is they have to bring you in their field of vibration so that they can interact with you on their level of reality because we are talking about multiple dimensions so what do you feel that they're here for good purposes selfish purposes or they're just a, a race that needs to survive like the rest of us and so they well, I'll, I'll give one version Brent will give another hang on I'll, I'll say first of all that there are there to my mind i believe there is a faction that's very good and there's also a faction that's bad what would you say Brenda? what do you think no i agree with philip actually there are good and bad just like um, human people but there are some good ones and some bad ones we'll talk about the small greys and but there's also the long thin greys that seem to be more the um the, the kind of more they, they are beings where the the smaller ones could be almost like robots but organic robots does that make sense yeah i know what you're saying the little tiny ones which are about two to three foot high which resemble little children and that are normally accompanied by the taller greys the four or five foot high um because the the taller greys are normally the guardians of the smaller greys um but then you get the bigger ones which are sort of six foot tall with a lot very very long arms and everything but down at Rendlesham, we've got several different kinds down there, and every so many years, they change over different ones. We've, we've seen about the different sorts down there already. So do you think that perhaps there is an underground base there, and that's where the, the greys are? or one, you know, Obviously not just there, but what do you think? I think they come from another, another dimension, because we've seen portals down there, and we've actually got portals, and I've got photographs, with them coming through portals. So um, if there's an underground base down there, I mean, it is probably where people people say it's in that forest because we have seen lights going in and out of there. We've seen, like, craft come over and disappear around that area, but they just disappear. Um, we've walked the forest and, and looked, but we've can't, we can't find anywhere that there can be possibly a doorway or anything there. We do know where there are places of portals in the forest. So I guess if they're multi-dimensional, then they can come in anywhere, can't they? I mean, if they can come into your home and take your astral body to a ship, then they can come anywhere. But I guess there's, there seems to be some kind of reason for being in Rendlesham, and it's obviously the base being there. So it does make you wonder if there's a connection to the military there. Well, I've been down in Rendlesham for years and years and years because 
way back in the 1800s and back in the 1700s and 1600s, people were reporting seeing lights and seeing these poor spindly figures walking around there. They have been there an awful long time. And a lot of the New Age travellers who live around that area, they've seen tall and spindly people in white and that going in and out of the forest. And they've been saying this for years and years. So I think, you know, they've been there for quite a long time. I just think Rendlesham is a very, very special, magical place. It's a very spiritual place. And it just happened to be one of the forests where they come to. Because we've been to forests all over the place, all over the country, and we've never ever found anything like Rendlesham. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. I mean, you guys have obviously seen UFOs firsthand. Um, I mean, that must be an absolutely awesome thing to see. I mean, it must just change your whole paradigm of reality in a moment, mustn't it? I think because <laughs> I think I've seen so many since I was a child, and um, I think I just take it in my stride now. Because yes, we've got photographs of UFOs and. We have seen the mothership and we've seen, um, you know, baby ships come um, from all the discs and everything come out of the mothership. And uh, we've seen great big, huge blue lights following the mothership. And, yeah, we've seen quite a few down there. Over the last few years, we've seen several. And do you see a link with UFI activity and, you know, sort of black helicopters turning up and the military taking an interest in them? Well... Yeah, I guess there is a possibility of that occurring. I mean, you hear all these stories about mainly with cattle mutilation and black helicopters are seen afterwards. The, uh, the only experience I've had with them is uh, seeing helicopters over the the, um, the forest when we've been there. And I know that we've been housebuilt, and, and, and Brenda has as well too, and they want you off of there. You're on, you know, you're on um, uh, public land. Um, we weren't on the base at all, but they, they tried to flush us out on more than one occasion. It was very scary when we had gone down to do our research on one occasion where the helicopter actually came down in a field um, in the farmer's field, was hovering, and we thought it was going to land, and we thought the pilots were going to come out and, and, and get us. And as this was going on, there was some UFO activity over to the left of the helicopter, and we were trying to point to the pilots look over there, and they weren't interested at all in, or in any of that. They were more intent in bringing the helicopter down almost to ground level and trying to intimidate us to get us off the land. I mean, it was a very scary... I mean, if you can imagine at night, you know, being out there and this going on, it's a, <laughs> it's a very scary... I mean, I think I'd feel more afraid of the, the, uh, the, uh, the people, the pilots and the, the helicopter than the UFO. <laughs> Crikey. So you guys are there now, aren't you? I mean, have you witnessed anything on this vigil? Well, we were out last night, weren't we? Yes, several things happened last night, yes. I mean, we get beautiful, beautiful orbs. The, the colours are out of this world, you know, the colours of the orbs. And um, we got loads of orbs last night, and we saw also we saw a light being as we walked up one of the tracks. And I suddenly said, oh, look, there's somebody standing there, somebody standing there. And went running it, well, as soon as I said it, you saw a light go flying through the forest, and we went into the forest, and um, we saw somebody standing beside a tree, and took some photos and everything, and there's like a mist thing, and some orbs and all that, but we, there isn't hardly a night we don't go down there, and we go down there sort of like twice a week, and we don't get something, you know, there's always something around, always. So do you visit quite often then, all of you? Yes. Yeah. Often, yes. Um, but very often, there's only um, just my little group down, and we see things quite regular. But if anybody else is with us, very often they don't get anything on their cameras, and they can't see what we can see. 
Okay. I mean, do you get a lot of groups sort of visiting um, the forest? You know, like you get a lot of paranormal groups investigating ghosts and stuff like that. Do you get a lot of people going down there to try and experience things? Yes, we, um, especially this time of year, we get an awful lot of groups. Um, from now until the end of October, we've got several groups coming down. Um, so, yeah, we do. We get quite a lot of people coming down. Um, big groups, smaller groups. But a lot of people get really, really frightened. And, you know, once the darkness come in and they experience all the energies and everything that's around, then they get a bit frightened and they want to be going. Crikey. So, I mean, just sort of going back to, um, you mentioned in, in the um, uh, synopsis that I was sent about the show, about that Brent, Brenda, as you were investigating this stuff, you was contacted by someone called Daniel, uh, sorry, David Daniels, um, who may not have been of this earth, you know, he seemed to have kind of um, magical abilities almost, like, you know, very powerful psychic abilities, stuff like that, and maybe be reptilian, that's a word that's here. I mean, who is this person or being? Um, yes, uh, um, we're putting this we're putting this in the book, so I'll just talk about it briefly. Um, yes, I did. Um, I was visited by a guy named David Daniels, and he came and he's on my doorstep, and he looked just like a human being, basically. Blonde hair, um, very good looking, yeah, long arms and everything. And um, he more or less said that he'd been looking for me. He'd visited one or two other people before he actually contacted me and came to me. But um, yes, he was with me for three months. He lived outside in a caravan. And I did see him change into a reptilian on three occasions. Oh, crikey. I mean, so when you, when you say... Yeah, go on. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, one of the things is with regards to um, the UFO phenomena is that, um, you know, many years ago, I mean, I know that the reptilians were spoken about quite a lot, and the first thing that most people would do is laugh. But I'll just point out also, which I've also discovered, is that it's no laughing matter, because this this actual man-stroke reptilian actually infiltrated government, and with Brenda Butler by his side. (laughs) Crikey. Because I think I read about this story years and years ago, but I didn't know it was a reptilian. But there was a story of a kind of an ET visitor that had um, infiltrated government. Because um, there's a lot of negative press in New Age movement or the ufology about reptilians, isn't there? Um, and some people say that they are the the ones that you really want to steer clear of, in a way. But was um, this... Um, no, this is something completely different. I mean, this, this um, David Daniels had actually met... Admiral Lord Hill Norton, and, and actually went with Brenda to to make a meeting with him, and um, and Brenda will explain a little bit about what happened. Well, David phoned up and said to me that with um, I go to London with him because he'd made an appointment to see Lord Hill Norton. So I went up to London to meet David, and we went in after being searched, and this guard asked us if we had a bomb or whatever in our suitcases in my handbag. They searched through my suitcases, searched through my... Um, handbag and everything and then we were taken into this little room to meet Lord Hill Norton and he sat one side of the table David and I sat the other and David said he'd be, he'd come to talk about the Pleiades and I said I'd come to talk about Rendlesham Forest and Lord Hill Norton said he wasn't a bit interested in Rendlesham Forest because he knew the story and if it had anything to do with the Americans then that got bigger and bigger and bigger but he was interested in the Pleiades 
and he was really, really interested in. He said he couldn't help us because if he'd said anything or if he'd gone out of his way to help us or anything, then that'd be his pension on the line. But he was a very, very interesting book page. Yeah. So with this David Daniels, um, what, I mean, what kind of abilities did he have? Sorry? Sorry, um, you mentioned that he had sort of, um, sort of superhuman or, um, you know, amazing abilities. I mean, what abilities did he have? He could, he could, any book, I collected UFO books, and I must have had about 500 of them, and any book that you gave him off of uh, my bookshelf, he could read. He didn't even have to open it. He could tell you page by page what was in it. He could read your mind, and he would always know what you were thinking, or he could finish your sentences before you even um, said them, finished them. He could disappear and reappear. He lived outside in the caravan for three months, and not once did he come in to use the toilet, the bathroom, to have a wash, clean clothes or anything, yet he was always absolutely immaculately spotless. He never needed to shave. He only ate sweets, loads and loads and loads of sweets, and green vegetables, and he only drank hot water. And so when he, you know, when he sort of um, changed his form, well, I mean, what, what sort of appearance did he have? Well, he used to, when the very first time I saw him and he was laying on top of the bed and he said it's about time that he shoe me something um, and he said, don't be frightened. I said, I'm not frightened. I'm really, really not frightened. And he started to shake and as he shook, first of all, his um, face sort of like, appeared like sort of like skinny um, snake skin type stuff, sort of green. And then his eyes went sort of yellowy. And then all his veins stood out all on his hands and on his arms. They really, really stood out. This was only for seconds, but he started talking in a weird language. And then when he came back again, he just asked for sweets. And there was um, loads of dolly mixtures beside his bed, and I gave him them, and he had to eat loads of sweets to get his energy up. The second time I saw him was in the caravan when he um, took me back to some of my past lives. And once again, he changed, and I saw his arms, and then... And they was the same as his face and everything. They were like scaly and everything. So where do, where do you think this is all going? Do you, do you think there's, this is all re- reaching some kind of crescendo in the near future where perhaps um, it's all going to get revealed somehow? He gave me, lots, gave me lots of information and lots of knowledge. Um, but I couldn't really tell you what that was because a lot of the stuff um, has been taken out of my mind. Um, and he said that was... I, I would know about it when the time came. Any connection? Sorry, go on, Phil. Carry on. I have a theory. I think, you know, with regards to um, this case, with Brenda and all the people who were involved with... Um, and David Daniels has been seen uh, and by a lot of other top UFO researchers. He's sought them out. Now, I think that in this case, and it surely would show in many other cases, that this particular... Um, person, or should I say extraterrestrial, was after information and had come to these people to extract that information, but also give information. And I and we believe that Brenda's been given something that's locked in her mind because, um, and, I'm, and I'm absolutely sure that later on that, that information will be activated. So, you know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, the star systems, the Pleiades, the Orion star system, the Lyra star system and all those other different star systems have their own uh, forms of life or own intelligences, and they've had problems on them. So it's possible that David Daniels has come as an ambassador for his people and tried to uh, get information for his people or, and, and along the way help some of us as well too. 
I agree. I mean, there's something I agree with you that you you wrote in the book Believe as well is that you know they're not just coming here now; they've always been here. Um, oh yeah. Always back, you know, back through history. Um, oh yeah. You, you made you made a really good quote in your book that just made me think, um, and that was the thing about the sun. You know, why do we shy away from our sun? You know, Correct. we're not designed for our own sun, no. are we? In a way, and and you think these a lot of the ETs portrayed as white skinned blonde hair so yeah. it kind of makes you think are we you know descendants from those you know? well absolutely I mean every single time you try to put a fact like this across to the general public they don't want to know because they've been educated in a very simplistic way to see things the way that they are now I've always maintained that if we were original descendants from this planet we would not in any way shy away from our own sun all the creatures and animals don't and we're the only ones that do and I and I believe that you know I'm not I'm not I I don't believe that me and Brenda will be considered conspiracy theorists or people that want a mystery. I think that's just a cop out from heart organisations to try and make us people look stupid. What I will say is that there's a lot more also about the moon, um, and we're, we're not going to go into that um, because it's too vast. You know, most people. Um, would believe that, like, they had a moon landing, and they probably did, but the version we were shown was a staged version. And people are now, all those years later, coming forward and saying, you know, that that looks suspect, you know? And so that when if you tell, said to someone in 1969 that that moon landing was a fake, they'll all laugh at you. But they're not laughing now, are they? <laughs> it's It's almost like it wasn't a fake, perhaps we went there, but... The, the the photos were staged. Oh yeah, yeah. Because some people say that perhaps those um, there was things in the background that they didn't want us to see, or photography wouldn't have gone through, uh, it wouldn't have survived the radiation or something like that. And you can see some pictures where the Earth almost appears in the wrong place, or there's oh, wrong lighting. Know. You know. Yeah. Well, the thing though, I've always found it really interesting to see how they got a great big, huge uh, truck up there with four wheels. You know, you can see how big that was. I'm, I'm just still wondering how they carried that on the ship and, um, you know, it's only one that they didn't tear their spacesuit at all while they made it up. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? So, I mean, just something else that you've, you've mentioned as well is um, an incident called the Shingle Street Mysteries. Um, and I've never heard of that before, so I sort of quickly looked into it. Um, it's, you know, it sounded quite, you know, not a very nice experience if it really happened. And I just wondered if you just, if you prepared to sort of go into that? Well, Dot, Dot and I, Dot and I, uh, Sky crashed with me. We went, um, when we heard about it from one of the fishermen down at the Jolly Sailor at Orford, we actually went down there to ask about the UFO um, because several people had seen a, a craft come over and we got told about the Shingle Street mystery, which was really, really exciting. And that's, so we went sort of back later on and we interviewed several of the old guys down there, the fishermen, and Mind you, they taught me to play Chopin while I was there. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, yeah, they told us about um, the sea being set on fire and a lot of bodies all being burned. And, um, you know, the bodies were put on lorries and taken to the train station and then they were taken away down to Yarmouth or somewhere or Gorston or whatever and they were buried or cremated. Um, so, I mean, that's only part of the story. That's because of the German... The Germans were supposed to invade, weren't they, our, our beach line, our shoreline. And they had to do something. The military had to do something to um, ensure that they didn't come 
come here, so they put um, gas, gas and gas pipes under the sea and oil in that and set fire to the sea. Now, a lot of people I know say that's complete rubbish and that's all been hushed up. Um, it should have been released in 2012. I believe now, once again, it won't be released until 2021. Um, and also, Barnes Wallace was supposed to have done the bouncing bomb there, which, as the story goes, that went out of control and that went through one of the pubs that was actually on Shingle Street and um, smashed through one of the walls of the pub. All the residents were evacuated, wasn't they, before the, um, they, they, they lit the gas things in, in the sea. Um, and I guess the yes. issue here is that the fact that they've, you know, this is like a crime against a war crime in a way, isn't it? If well, that's what I'm saying. That is what they're saying, isn't they? That the war crime, that's why it's been all hushed up and um, why it's been put to bed basically until 2021. Um, but yes, all the residents were all along that coastline. They were all evacuated and they were given other places to stay. And the people who actually wouldn't get out of their houses, they refused to. I believe that they they did die. Um, so, you know, they were killed in whatever happened. Um, and most of the houses and everything were destroyed anyway. Um, but the, it went from sort of like Orford Ness, Sudman, Orford Ness, and the being along the coastline. But they had all these barriers up and everything and to stop people re-entering the um, area. That's incredible. So, I mean, what's the um, the timeline for the book, you know, sort of getting it finished and, and published? Well, I mean, we, we, we're, we're almost halfway through the book now. Um, and it's, uh, you know, because I've collated all the information and Brenda's helped me with the documentation and information that I need, um, it won't be long before it's completed, no. And um, I won't say if we've got a publisher or not, because I don't want people to go finding out who they are <laughs> right okay is that in case they get intimidated or something is it <laughs> i mean have you, have you experienced any kind of intimidation while you've been doing this work i mean because in years ago it seemed that it, people come the, the powers that be came down heavily on people researching this kind of thing do you think that they're sort of stepping back a bit now the thing's changing uh, well, i know i still think it's done but because we've moved into a technological age it's so much quicker, easier now they can bug you, can't they? If you've got a mobile phone, they can listen in where you are. They, they just need satellites to do it, really. And, um, you know, the interesting uh, thing also with a lot of people who are involved with UFO research is that, um, as Brenda will tell you, they probably have dossiers on us. Yes, the MOD did yes, have dossiers on us. Um, Ralph Noyes, who I was quite friendly with, he sent Dot and myself a list of um, people who whose phones were tapped and we were on that and they've got some files on us and um, Dot and I, we were followed, we were threatened, we were told our phones were um, tapped all the time and, you know, we just, and I went on radio, that was Radio Orwell then, that's Radio Suffolk now, but Radio Orwell and I was doing a weekly thing on there, talk on there and I started talking about Rendlesham and experiments and UFOs and things going on down there and immediately I was took off the air and I wasn't allowed to go back on anymore. And as I say, you know, our houses have been watched, Dutch children were threatened and we were taken to the MOD up in London to, and Jenny, um, Randall, myself and Dot, we were taken up there and we were asked to sign a document to say that we wouldn't investigate um, into Rendlesham anymore, but we refused to do it unless they could tell us 
that we were doing anything to harm, you know, our British government or anything to harm us. Um, but they wouldn't do it. So we said, no, we wouldn't sign the document. That's very brave. Very, very brave. I'm not frightened of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't bother me at all. But it, it seems, obviously, with the advent of technology and the internet, it's just so much stuff out there now on, on this subject. And, you know, with all things, there's some really good material. And, you know, what you've uncovered here, you're, you know, you're looking at solid um, stuff. You know, you're going down to Rendlesham, you're, you're witnessing these beings firsthand, you've had contact with beings in the physical. Um, but, you know, with the internet, there's a lot of stuff that's really yeah. wishy-washy and it kind of almost muddies the waters a bit, little bit doesn't it really yeah but the that you've got i mean brenda butler um was one of the first investigators on the scene of of, of what was going on anyway and and as it's detailed in the book um that per- that illustrates perfectly that she was there to document all of the evidence as quickly as she could and she had the first-hand information even with colonel charles holt who was deputy base commander at the base at the time you know, she had a lot to do with him and all the people that were invest- that, that, would, that had been um, around and witnessed to this event. So, you know, you're dealing with someone who was there firsthand, not from other people that have come in and said, you know, secondhand and saying, well, I'm an authoritative figure on this subject, which they're clearly not. You know, Brenda is. Okay. That was really, really, really interesting. I mean, I'd love to hear more about this um, as you sort of progress on this subject. I mean... It's obviously the anniversary coming up for um, Rendlesham and what happened down there. Are you, is there going to be some kind of celebration going on, do you know, to celebrate it? Yeah, yes, it's quite possible. We're doing something on November the 20th. Um, we're hoping to have a celebration down there with um, myself giving a talk on the recent event of what happened down at Rendlesham. And Philip, um, he's also going to give a talk on um, things that he's seen down there and different things. Um, but um, basically, I mean, we're just looking now um, to get it all set up. And a watch as well, too. Oh, yeah, we did a watch a walk afterwards, yes. In our, um, if we have hundreds and hundreds of people turn up, I don't know how we can manage that. Which we are, hopefully, to turn up. Just another question I've got, um, Phil. You, you sort of talk about um, bridging the gap between the psychic and UFO phenomena. Yeah. And one of the things that seems evident every time I read stories of people being abducted, they seem it seems to open up some kind of psychic ability in that person. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, I, I've uh, I've always maintained that this case. When I had um, my experiences, um, I, I, I later found that I was uh, a medium, um, and I and I became a medium, you know, on on the stage and platform work and all sorts of things. Um, and I and I truly do believe that although sometimes these experiences scare us because we haven't been educated about them, it does in some way open up our consciousness. Now, is it possible as well that people like astronauts who go out into space, um, which we've discussed before, and we um, go out into space and then they come back and they're changed? It's almost as if their consciousness is united with a universal mind. And, and when people are abducted, they are, I believe, taken outside of our, um, our third-dimensional reality uh, or just beyond that, and the same thing happens with them. Um, you know, I'm not saying that all of the cases of abductions are real. You have to be very technical in your approach towards this. You know, you get people that put a lot of disinformation in and make up these silly stories. And as I've maintained before, 
um, people like Brenda and myself are only after the truth, and that's what we're looking for. Um, and, and it's, you know, a painstaking task, but uh, I think we're almost there with regards to the Rendlesham case. But sure, people are changed. If you do see something like a UFO and someone else hasn't, and you try to explain from your heart and your mind what you saw, they'll tell you what they say you saw, even though they weren't there at the time. So it's very frustrating. I mean, just another question to you, Phil, as well. Um, do you still have these episodes where they come in, the greys and... Oh, yes. I, I have. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail um, because, you know, it's sometimes a little bit strange to explain, ex, um, explain to people um, what, what goes on. But sure, I am, I am aware that there is still contact on, on a different level. I'm not saying multiple abductions or anything like that, you know, getting taken away every night. It's not like that. Um, it's, it's an infrequent episode, and sometimes um, you're, not, you're not to remember them. You know something unusual has happened, but it's almost like there's a screen memory or a memory that's been implanted to cover the episode, the said episode. But yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to, to hear your stories on this, and I would love to hear more in the future as you progress on this. I mean, sort of coming up to the, the end of the show now, I mean, is there anything else you, you want to share with, with the listeners before we go? Um, yeah, if anyone's interested in joining us on the 20th of November, contact the website, um, and that's Um If anyone's interested, or, or just keep an eye out on the activities that that Brenda and I are doing um, as well. So now you, you, you do a lot of platform work, Phil, don't you? You travel all around the country. Um, yes. So obviously a lot of people are aware of what you do anyway. I mean, yes. do people talk to you about this? Are they open up to you when you're out and about and want to know oh, more? Oh, yeah. yeah, and you'll be surprised because they're more scared about talking about this than they are about their spiritual um, uh, connections or links. They'll come up to you and say, I've seen a UFO or I've seen a grey I don't know who to talk to, but I want to explain this. So you'll be surprised how many people um, have connected. And, and the other interesting thing as well, too, I'll say very quickly, is that when Brenda was doing her research um, and uh, connected with a lot of the American military guys um, at the base here many years ago, nearly all of them had come in to see her to tell stories of abductions or encounters with UFOs. So, you know, it just goes to show even if those people in the military are having those episodes and encounters as well, too. Frustrating, because they can't talk about it, isn't it? So, well, they had, Brenda, they had Brenda to combine in, and she listened to them. <laughs> Brilliant. We're doing wonderful work, and, um, and I just really hope in the future that, you know, more and more people become aware of it, and it becomes second nature, really. There's a, I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, there's a, a show coming on TV in October in the UK and the end of September is appearing in America but it's called The Event. Are you aware of it? No, I wasn't. Okay. I've heard of it now. Oh, right. It's an interesting topic because it's about um, a black American president who basically they revealed to him that there's an underground base somewhere, perhaps Alaska, and there's others there. And I think... From reading the synopsis, it, it seems that he's given the task to, um, you know, tell the American people about the biggest lie in American history. It's supposed to be a true story, isn't it? Yeah. There is really supposed to be a base um, under Alaska. Hmm. Yeah. So, so it's like interesting, the, isn't it? 
it's like even if perhaps um, President Obama is not going to do it, there's factions that are trying to, through media, are maybe trying to force him. I mean, that's just one last note I really want to put on this, is that um, do you feel in the, in the powers that be kind of structure that there is good and bad? Like there are good people that want to try and get this stuff out? Yes, I do. Um, like, precedents and, um, you know, the American precedents especially, I mean, every single one of them, what have they said? That when they get in power, they were going to release the, all the documentations on UFOs. And I can remember Obama saying that too. That was one of the first things he was going to do. And not one single one of them has done it, except President Kennedy. And he, he'd actually found the files, hadn't he, to... Um, report all of this about UFOs and what happened to him, he got killed. You know, and Reagan was another one. He said he was going to release it. And Carter had already seen a UFO that had come over his house. And they were all told they'd got to be quiet. You see, there's an inter-galaxy government up there that just won't release the stuff. And the presidents are like under control of them. So they're not allowed to release it either, even if they say they will. I mean, it's quite frustrating, but it's really going to be a ground-up approach, isn't it, with people putting pressure? Well, the ETs have said that if something is released by um, 2012, then they will come or into our skies so people get used to them and they'll release it themselves so people get used to seeing them around and everything. Yeah. But more and more are coming into our world. Yeah, but you've only got to see the videos of uh, in Mexico. I mean, they see hundreds of craft, don't they? And it's I mean, it's co- almost common knowledge to the people in Mexico. Oh, yes, right. Jamie, my son, is the investigator of that, um, those cases, and I think they're doing a wonderful job, you know, and, and there's only so much time that's left for the people in power. I'll just say also there is a lot of sympathy for those people in the military organisation who have come forward and trying to tell Congress um, especially in America, that something's been uh, going on and they want this, all this information released. Um, but unfortunately, with anything, you have a higher power of command that takes control and can hush these people, silence them, intimidate them all if they're a loose cannon, get rid of them. That's right. Yeah. It is very, very frustrating. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, f- thank you very much um, for coming on the show and talking about your experiences. And, um, and please do keep in touch and we'll, um, we'll, we'll continue the story if that's okay. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ian. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.